I'm carrying on the series looking at uh, following Jesus. And I want to talk this morning that following Jesus involves being seen by Jesus in all of our humanity and in our, our weakness and in our frailty and in our vulnerability without hiding but feeling absolutely relaxed, at rest and seen. I don't know if this echoes what you feel about following Jesus, that sometimes it can feel like following Jesus is like a kind of treadmill. It can feel like instead of an intimate connection to Jesus of being seen and being known and beholding him and being held by him, it can feel like a spirituality of self-improvement. What should I be doing now? It kind of echoes the question that Jesus was asked after he multiplied the bread uh, and fed the thousands. What do I need to do to do the works of God? And we can feel like Christianity is just this do doing thing that sometimes our focus with God can be much more upon fixing our frailties and weaknesses as if God can't bear to look at us and know us about our history, our past, or even our present condition, that somehow we're a problem that still needs to be fixed. And somehow that Christianity and maturity is about having mastery and control over everything. And so instead of a liberated freedom with God, we find ourselves kind of feeling that actually I'm carrying and wearing a really heavy coat so that I'm not seen. We find ourselves in some ways um, in a posture of self-protection from maybe we don't want God to see us and we don't certainly want other people to really see us. It can look like a kind of defensiveness. It can look like hiding. It can look like always feeling you've got to be perfect. It can look like performing. And it can look like we have to pretend. We pretend with God. And we pretend to ourselves maybe. And we often find ourselves pretending to one another. But what if the gospel really was this wave of radical unconditional, wonderful love that caused us to just know that we are the beloved and we are absolutely wonderfully loved. So that with God, there was no pretending, no hiding, no performing. We could just be vulnerable and real. And with one another, we could be seen because we are seen by God and we could be seen by one another. What if the gospel was this invitation to live completely relaxed at home with God? To be completely relaxed at home with God, ourselves, and with other people. And that's what I want to explore by looking at the story of the prodigal son. So if you want to read that in another time, it's in Luke chapter 15, 11 to 32. 
But what I want to do is explore it using this painting that was painted by Rembrandt in 1669. And it's called The Return of the Prodigal Son. And it is a beautiful illustration of what it means to enjoy God's lavish affection, acceptance, and be completely seen. So the younger son, if I can, is here. This is the father. And here, dressed like the father, is the older brother. And in this picture, we see the younger son kneeling in front of his father and the painter has painted him. He's, he's so weak from his life and what's happened to him, his hair has literally fall, fallen out because he is starving. His cloak has gone, is lost. He's dressed in these rags and the painter wants us to see that one of his shoes is almost completely worn out. We can just see his heel here and his other shoe is off. He is emaciated, he is thin from starvation, he is tattered, he's dishevelled, and he's in this terrible state. Rembrandt is painting a picture of a life that has been broken and shattered by the choices that were made. If you remember the story that Jesus tells, it's a shocking story really. A younger son demands his share of the inheritance from his father, which in many ways was saying to his father, I wish you were dead so that I could have your wealth now. And the father graciously gives him a share of the family business. He takes that wealth and he runs away from home. He shames his father and he disgraces his family. Eventually, the Bible says he goes to this faraway land and things get really, really, really bad for him. So bad that Jesus says he found himself a job looking after pigs. Now, if you're talking to religious leaders in a Jewish culture, there is no lower job than you can get than looking after pigs. It's the lowest possible place a Jewish boy could find himself. Jesus wants the listener to know this boy couldn't get any lower if he tried. And in the story that Jesus tells, it talks about him suddenly coming to his senses. And he thinks to himself, even the servants in the house of my father They've got enough food. So he considers and thinks, I can't really come back and expect to be a son anymore because I've really wasted and squandered and gone low. But maybe, just maybe, I could be received and become a servant. And so he decides to return home. And the Bible says that as the father sees the son from a distance, he gets up and begins to run towards him. This is again another shocking picture that Jesus uses because fathers are dignified and they walk dignified. They do not grab their clothes, hitch them up and start running. 
It's undignified and it wasn't considered to be very, very respectful. But there's this passion in the father and <coughs> compassion in the father. And he's so excited to see his son returning back to him. And so he runs to his son and he embraces him. If you remember the story, the son has a prepared speech that he's going to bring to the father. I've sinned against you, I've sinned against heaven, I'm not worthy to be considered your son anymore. Maybe I can become like one of the hired hands. But before he's even got a chance to speak and properly start, the unimaginable happens. And that's what Rembrandt, the painter, is showing us. The father embraces the son. Actually, the Bible talks about he kisses. There's something about repeated kisses on the head of his son in this condition. The father's love is extravagant and to the people looking on particularly the older brother it's excessive and then something incredible happens so this is his state on returning home but that's not his state that he's going to remain in he's not always going to be dressed in rags with one shoe the father does something incredible with this boy he reinstates him, he gives him back his position of authority. He takes away these rags and he clothes him with a best robe. So he gives him this, the family robe, so that when anybody sees the boy, they say he has authority in this household. He's not a hired hand. He's not a servant, he's been restored to the authority and the dignity and the wealth of being a son. He puts a ring on his finger. That's an important thing because the ring from the family allows the son to do business on behalf of the father. So business was done at the city gates and if you had the ring on your finger, that means that you were authorised by the father to do business on his behalf. Radical, huge trust. This is the boy who squandered and shamed his family. Shame is all taken away. And the Bible says he was also given shoes on his feet. Some commentators says he was outfitted with the shoes of a free man who belonged to the house. Then the father throws a party because he says, this son of mine, I thought he was dead and now he's alive and throws a huge party with music and dancing. It's incredible. This is what happened to us. And the father doesn't really talk about what have you done? Where's the money? What have you been up to? Why are you in this state? How come you shamed the family? He doesn't tell him about what he's done wrong. It's almost like in this story, Jesus doesn't show a picture of a, of, a, of a guy who's begging to be received back. The father in one sense says this, I'm not telling you about what you've done wrong. I'm telling you about who you 
still are in my eyes and in the eyes of the house. That's who you are. Since this is a stunning picture of unconditional love and acceptance. The whole story isn't really focused on the picture or the state of the boy's heart, apart from it shows the state that he's got himself in. It's all about the father's heart. It's all about how the father sees him. The son isn't shoved to his knees. He kneels because he needs the father and he is so overwhelmed by the love of the father. He's kneeling because he recognises he needs grace, he needs forgiveness, he needs reinstatement. He's overwhelmed by the reception that he received. This is not the reception that he expected. And so he goes to his knees. And in a sense, he hears what Jesus heard on his baptism. You are my son, whom I love. With you, I'm well pleased. You are my son, whom I love. And with you, I'm well pleased. I'm well pleased. See, when we're living a kind of spirituality of self-improvement, what do I need to do? Always trying to cover over our weaknesses and our frailties, seeing ourselves as a problem that always needs to be fixed. We don't hear those words. We don't hear it personally. Let it be personal to you. If you if you've never experienced that, you're not a Christian, you can experience this this morning. If you're a believer, God wants you to hear, you are my son, you are my child, you are my daughter, I love you. You feel, as it were, the kisses that are passion on the top of your head I love you with you I am well pleased with you I'm well pleased but there's also another son who's in this picture and this is the elder son and the story that Jesus tells is a story about two sons and a wonderful father. And Jesus wants the listener to understand that he was lost, he is still lost. There's two sons and they've both found themselves lost and they've both found themselves wandering from the heart of the father. One literally and one at home but still lost. It's also a picture of lostness. He looks dignified. He's dressed in gold. He's got the same colour clothes as his father. He looks like royalty but he's lost. 
See, unlike the father and in Jesus' story and in the paintings, the older son is judging. The older son is annoyed and the older son is disapproving of the lavish affection of the father. How can you restore this son who has disgraced the family and wasted the family fortune? He talks about the fact that I've never had a party. You've never killed one of the fattened lambs for me. The oldest son, it would seem, has absolutely done nothing wrong. He's done nothing wrong, but his heart is far from the father. He's actually more lost than the younger son. <coughs> he can't actually see how lost he really is. He's dressed well, he's dignified, he's respectable, he's always done what he thinks he should do. He's been faithful and diligent, but actually he's lost. He is devoted to respectability. He's actually devoted to self-righteousness. He's devoted to duty. And all those things have blinded him to the reality of the state of his own heart and his own condition. He's living in the father's house, but he too has left home and remains far from the father's love. And Jesus, in this shocking story, telling it, and the Pharisees, the religious leaders, would have been listening, knowing that this is us. You're criticising us. You're talking about us. See, it's actually possible to live your whole Christian life obeying the commands of God. It's actually possible to live your entire Christian life serving in the house of God, but actually be lost. Actually, the church in general is full of lots of younger sons who are rushing off. And it's also full of lots of older sons who stay at home while their hearts are far away. How do I know that? I've been a younger son. And I've been, I've been the older brother. I've, I've sat here and I've been here. Been in both places. And felt in both places my heart far away. See, each and every person alive on the planet has places where our lives got shattered. Sometimes it's the things that we did. And so often it's the things that were done to us. Sometimes the things that left us in rags were our own choices. And sometimes it was the choices <clears throat> of others. So I want to land with this. How do we rest 
and relax in the Father's love and enjoy being fully seen. Hi guys, could you unfreeze the picture and I'm just going to change it to the next one. Thank you. There we go. See if I can pronounce this. Anybody can speak Japanese? Kintsugi. It literally means to join with gold powder. It, it literally takes a pot that's been broken and it emphasises the parts that actually got broken rather than trying to hide those parts or disguise those parts. It brings out the beauty of what was shattered and what was damaged. It's an art in Japan that sees the beauty in the flawed, in the damaged, and in the imperfect. The idea of this art is to appreciate the whole history of a pottery piece, including the parts that were shattered or broken. In becoming Christians, we offer the whole of our lives to God. And the Bible says we actually do become new creation, born again, new heart, totally righteous and perfect in front of God. And this illustrates though that those things that were painful done to us or the choices that we made, we know that all of that is seen by God. We offer the whole of our life to God including the parts that were broken, including the pain, including the, re the rejection, including the failures, including our anxieties, including where we doubt. And he takes all of that, all of our history, every single part of what happened, the, 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 the things that we committed, the things that we failed to do, he takes it all and he carefully puts it back together and make something spectacular and beautiful, even more beautiful than it was before. It's a sense that those parts of us that were cracked, they somehow remain, but they're sealed with gold. There's love, extravagant acceptance, acceptance, excessive kisses on our head from the master artist. He sees the whole of who we are and he loves us entirely. So instead of a life of self-improvement, we surrender to love. What does it look like? I'm not going to tell you my story and go on because many of you know it. It means that I, as an 11-year-old, was incredibly anxious and struggled with OCD and checking and double-checking, taps, plugs, doors, 
becoming a believer, new creation, struggles in terrifying fear that something I'd said or not said could offend God. He saw all those cracks. He saw it all. <laughs> I took that and I misunderstood the radical acceptance of God and I took myself on a journey of fixating and concentrating on spiritual self-improvement which was actually another manifestation of the anxiety I had at 11. But it took me out of a place of rest and out of a place of wonderful acceptance of being seen. What the father would have said to me is, I see, I see it all, Jamie. I see it all and you can enjoy this new identity of being the beloved. I'm going to take those anxious parts and I'm going to seal them put them back together with gold and you don't have to now fixate upon fixing it mm. I want you to live aware of love I want you to live aware of compassion and acceptance I want you to live at rest in my father's house see my natural disposition would be the disposition of the Pharisees <laughs> tell me what to do to do the works of God and Jesus would look at me and say, there's only one thing required, rest and relax. I'm taking all of that and I'm making something beautiful out of it. Paul says in 2 Corinthians that this treasure, the treasure of new creation, the treasure of the Holy Spirit in us, the treasure of identity, of intimacy, of acceptance, this treasure is in an earthen vessel. It's in a cracked pot. This treasure. Why? So that God can show that the all-surpassing power comes from him and not from us. How is God glorified? By us being able to be real with deep friends about frailty and humanity and weakness and vulnerability, knowing that it makes no difference to the heart of the Father. He's working in that and he's doing something in that. It means that you don't live in the shadow of the choices that you made. What good would it be if the son returning home constantly lived in rags and disheveled and no shoes. No, he has to embrace, be embraced and accept the identity that he has. Restored, reinvited, recommissioned with authority. Yes, his past happened. Yes, the choices he made did happen. But they are now put together and beautified and redeemed and shown off as magnificent. What are they showing? A father who's compassionate and kind and wonderfully loving and extravagant in his affection. And as he kisses the son, those broken parts come back together and they get glued together with gold. Not so that he can walk around with his head low, feeling ashamed, but so he can walk in the full dignity. I'm accepted. I'm loved. I'm restored. I'm redeemed. So yeah, those things did happen to me, which were painful, 
I'm not in denial of them. Yes, this did happen, and I did make mistakes and choices. It happened, I'm not denying them, but I'm not living in a fix-me-up mentality. I'm living in the wonder of kneeling before a father who sees me, all of me, and totally me. So that means there's no need for pretending, acting, performing, perfecting. The heavy cloak is no longer necessary. We can be seen, we can live seen by God, knowing that he loves us entirely. We're going to finish with this. Christianity is this. I behold God. I behold the Father. I behold and I look at his face and how he loves me entirely. I behold his glory and the wonder of his awesome personality and character. I behold him and at the same time I'm held by him. I'm beholding him and I'm held by him. And as I look at him, the Bible says I go from one degree of glory to another. As we look at him, those broken places become glorious and redeemed and sealed again with wonderful gold. As we look at him, not looking at our past, not looking at trying to improve our performance, but by looking at him, knowing I'm completely, wonderfully accepted, even in this moment. And we go from glory to glory to glory to glory to glory. And what did we do to quote that song? All I did was worship. All I did was stay still. All I did was rest in love. All I did was embrace the reality. You love me. You accept me. You've washed me. You've cleansed me. You've redeemed me. You've made me new. You've clothed me in authority. I've got your ring on my finger. I've got sandals on my feet. I belong in the family of God. I can be seen. I can be known. I can be celebrated. I can show you who I am intimacy. I can show others who I am of authenticity and intimacy. I don't need to perform. The religious treadmill is no longer needed or required. Jesus didn't give me a new life so I could fix up my old one. He clothed me in his wonderful newness. Amen.